saved by Brown, cleared by Coppin and down the ice. Holy Mackinac, Connor Brown! That leprechaun is flying out there! That's it. That was pretty much the intro that, that we were looking for right there. I think we hit it. I think so. Welcome. It is the first edition, the inaugural edition of the Adam and Josh podcast. And and I have to call it the Adam and Josh podcast, uh, Lesko, because we don't have a name yet. And I couldn't just say no name. So um, our first order of business is looking to uh, settle on a name. I'm Josh and this is Adam. Yes, sir. So we're uh, we're looking for a name. So you got some ideas? Throw throw them our way, because I think at this point uh, the best ideas we got is uh, pucks and deep, around the boards, and riding the pine. Yeah, riding the pine is good. Round the boards, right? Round we, the we, boards. Yeah, we yeah. we kind of agreed to to drop the a. Uh, it is definitely the cool thing to do now. Uh, any kind of short form, you know, people are loling and. BRBing every day. Yeah. So. Stop trying to sound younger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that leads right into it. Uh, yeah, we're a bunch of we're a bunch of north of thirty year olds here. Yeah, you well, a little right bit more on. recently. I'm on par right now. Than me, um, a year apart, and uh, Adam and I have decided to get together in my basement here and record us just basically shooting the shit. Uh, talking hockey, mostly Leafs. It's going to be a very Leaf-heavy season. Um, Got to be on the buds all day. Hey, I mean, we're both uh, lifers. Yep. Leafers for life. Yep. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're going to do a little bit of fantasy as well for anyone that's, uh, you know, listening to the first couple minutes early and wondering if we might give you some help in your pools i i, I can't say that i'm really good at them but i don't know I do how a lot helpful of we're gonna be but i like talking fantasy i'll give you that a lot of homework boys i mean that's, yeah. that's the name of the game i yeah. think right there um so you know we're we're looking at uh, early on here starting the uh, starting the timer and uh you know introducing ourselves and maybe uh, let let the let the listeners know uh why we're together yeah well i guess uh goes back to uh the old days there grew up in the rural country took the same bus watched a lot of, lot of wrestling played a lot in what n64 and watched a lot of leafs i think that was the origins of it playing a lot of basement hockey there full goalie pads full ba- and when we weren't doing that when it was uh uh doing wrestling moves there on the spare bed and yeah. the crap out of each other the rack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. None of that. The Lex Luger rack. I mean, we were right in the middle of the Bill Goldberg days. Right in the, en- the peak WCW, NWO yep. days. That the was Wolfpack? The, yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all the, that was a good time. Steve Nash. And the, the, the video games seemed really good at the time. So. Well, I mean, yeah, we had, we had uh, Nintendo 64, man. It was a much, it was a much simpler, simpler yeah. time. Sitting in my basement right now, that's... Uh, clack with leaf stuff everywhere um and uh 64 over there uh, super nintendo i actually. love it you still have that yeah oh we're gonna, awesome. we're gonna be playing some some nba jam and some mario Kart. oh no uh, doubt you know obviously so yeah so i guess i guess we gotta talk though we 
we went to school together all the way through and yeah, rode uh, the bus. Rode the bus. That was really the start. Together, played hockey, played minor hockey, house league, and then eventually rapped together. And rolled the pine. And rolled the pine. So that's why that's the top vote for name on my uh, on my watch, I'd say. All right, I just underlined it. It's the worst <laughs> underline ever. All um, right, but it's there. But so. it's the best name ever. So. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely our best name so far. But it might. We'll we'll leave it open for debate. I mean, we'll see how good the show goes, and uh, you know, kind of name it along the way. I guess so. What's next up on the docket here? Well, I guess uh, we're going to dive right into it and talk about some uh, recent news. And what better thing to talk about than the uh, the old dumpster fire senators? <sighs> well, you know, I feel like maybe before we dive right in, the senators is a. I'm glad you brought it up because maybe my next point was going to be to discuss just briefly why we are Leaf fans, uh, how we got there, whether it be. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people out there are, are born and raised Leaf fans because that's what their parents were cheering for, um, and it maybe dates I'm back of that, generations, guess. perhaps. You know, yeah, but I wouldn't say guilty of it. There's nothing, no, there's nothing wrong no. with that at all. It's nice to have a good base, and I hope that you know my kids, uh, potential kids, would would want to be Leaf fans. I'm definitely not gonna. <laughs> he sounds like Michael Scott there. My <laughs> kids, my potential kids. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I guess my parents were both from Toronto, so that you know they yeah. bl- they bled blue and. They raised me right, even though we live in the Auto Valley. But we were born, uh, the Senators were even a team. That's right. We were four, four years old, I think, That's right. when they became a team. And I mean, in all honesty, uh, Lesko, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're we're right about that 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 age, that line, or so you will. The cutoff of the Yeah, the cutoff fan. line, yeah. Like, I mean, I could have easily been a Senators fan. I went to games when I was very young, you know, before they were even in the – Back then, Palladium, uh, the, the Palladium, Palladium yeah. before when it was uh, when it was erected, um, you know, back playing at, at Lansdowne Park, going to a Sens game and buying that god awful jersey that is kind of working its way back into being a retro. Have you heard? So? Th- oh yeah, I like Brian yeah. uh, Five or Six's version of it. Yeah, yeah, personally. But um, anyhow, um, you know, it was we're like you said, we're right in the heart of the Ottawa Valley. We're very close to Ottawa. There's a lot of Sens fans here. Um, you know, some true and some a little bit. You know, maybe for lack of a better term, not so true uh, yeah. in the sense that, uh, you know, they could have been cheering for another team. And, you know, I thought about it over the past little while since we did our first uh, rough take of this podcast when we only had one microphone working. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't mind it as much as I said in that first rough take of the podcast because it's a local thing. And, you know, with yourself moving into politics, and we'll touch on that later, I'm sure, you know, you gotta you gotta support local, and for these fans to, you know, maybe they cheer for Boston because their parents cheer for Boston, but they only watch seven Boston games a year, and it's because they go to birthday parties and it's on in the background, and they're like, oh yeah, I like Boston, and then Ottawa gets a team, and they're like, oh, I do like hockey, and now Ottawa has a team I can go all the time. Yeah, I know we talked about it in the in the first rough go we had at the podcast, but. It's, it's really good for growing the game because it shows how you could turn a casual fan, like you said, somebody who just cheers for whatever team, and then there's a team locally and they end up going some games. And So in terms of growing the game in the area and engaging the fans, it's 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 really important, you know, and it's good to see. And, to you know, I respect those diehard Senator fans that you know we've known our whole life, so you know they grew up that way, they're raised on it, but – you know, my favorite story about going to those games actually growing up, because my dad used to take me to one a year, probably starting when I was like maybe six or seven. And 
man, Ottawa was a, a decent team, a decent team for a good, what, 20 years straight? Pl- perennial playoff contenders. Oh, easy, yeah. Yeah. And I remember just going to that building and watching the Leafs get dummied. Oh, yeah. Dummied. Repeal it. Getting smoked like 7-1. That yep. goddamn horn blaring in my poor child years. Right? <laughs> like, it was awful. And it wasn't until, like, even, I say, the Castle days before it was more enjoyable to watch because at least you had Phil sniping some Genos. Yeah, he did like When I was a kid, Genos. like, I maybe saw Dougie play once or twice before he got traded. And then it was like, we had those good years in the 2000s, those playoff games, but never got to go to any of those. That's our best memories of like Leafs and Sens, essentially. And then from then on, what, 02 onward, after the Quinn days, it's been nothing but pain. Well, 04, for sure. The 04, Jeremy Roenick, short side on Eddie Belfour. Yeah, I guess that was the last good run. Doing the, for the fucking for the Gretzky run by the bench. Yeah. That was a tough loss. Well, I guess now we're already talking centers. We get right into the. Uh, to the tire fire and what's going on. We got to start with uh, Carlson, obviously. I mean, that's the biggest news of the NHL, and it's very rare that you're gonna see a player of Carlson's caliber go out like that. Like that's like Eric Lindros level messy situation. But at least I guess in Carlson, Ottawa got Carlson for you know lots of good years, and I remember seeing him when he was 18, 19, stepping in the NHL, and I said, this guy's their best player already. And for them, for him to go out like that, it's a real shame, you know. And obviously, we're going to speak to the ownership situation, which I believe is the root cause of their problems and the Carlson fiasco. You and everyone that put up that billboard. Yeah, that's so. You know, that's uh, it takes a few people to pay for one of those things. Nope. So you know, we're not the only ones who think that. We're not even fans of the team, but. I mean, this is the one time in my life I, I've been actually able to say I feel bad for the fans of that team because they got to put up with the shit. Like, he's basically – Eugene is basically the Harold Ballard of the Sens right now. Oh, I've said he's, that to multiple people And, and they, yeah. it's I 100%. saw it on the comment boards, like, just yeah. of all the Sens fans going nuts last week. You know, honestly, it just doesn't make any sense to me uh, that they held on to him. Um past the past the deadline last year. I mean, we talked about it again at length uh, a week ago. Um, Ian Mendez tweeted that they had a deal uh, in place. In, well, in February, they all agreed that they would move him. And then San Jose was a determined partner. They already had open dialogue to include trades. And I'm sure at that time, man, the return would have been significantly better for San Jose to bring him into the playoffs last year and this year guaranteed. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I really think what the only thing that may have held up this deal has to be the contract situation. Because any team that knew they were acquiring Carlson was going to pay a steep price. And yeah, sure, there's a rental price when there isn't a deal in place, like a sign-and-trade. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened with San Jose there and maybe why the return wasn't as, as high as you might have expected. But that could have been what held up the deal is the fact that that Carlson couldn't come to terms with whatever team they were proposing a deal with or maybe had no interest in signing with them altogether. That's what I think, too. I'm wondering if he's just very content to um, play the remainder of his year. And and I find it I, I find it strange uh, for a player of Eric Carlson's like talent for him to willingly risk 
the possibility of being injured uh, in this next coming season before he has an opportunity to sign that extension. Uh, he's had some pretty significant injuries. Yeah, and I think that was that was kind of a little narrative going through the trade period as Ottawa skepticism about his ability to bounce back. Obviously, last year he wasn't, you know, quite himself or right. the, Carl- the Carlson we're used to. That's like elite, you know, top three, top five player in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really think that, uh, you know, with San Jose acquiring them, though, I think they can really believe they can sell them on something. Well, how can you not and enjoy living in San Jose? Well, it's just like look at Thornton. He went there and never left. Like yeah. Patty Marlowe left, and it yeah. seemed that they had to pry him out of there. And you know, Thornton considered it for a second and then yeah. said no, and yeah, no, wanted no to kidding. stay. So, you know, I, I, it's good gamble for San Jose. I mean, Doug Wilson, he's fleeced the centers twice, as far as I'm concerned, I because know. I mean that often thing was just hilarious. And they're like, well, yeah, I guess we'll we'll deal you Carlson too. Like that's. You'd think Pierre Dora. I think I don't it's even. It's a second round pick too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't. I just don't know how they pick up the phone and deal with them again. But I mean, if they're the ones willing to pay, then what can you do? But I mean, like, wh- what can you do? You could have dealt them earlier, and they 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 agreed to deal them, and and then they just didn't deal him because Melnick said he wanted to offer the extension. Well, the core the core of the problem going back to it going back to Eugene is that you know that he had to sign off on any deal for Carlson. Right. Any deal because that guy franchise has his goddamn hands in every aspect of that team and you know trading the best asset the team's ever had, he was all in the meddling there. He was right into it. I mean, there were like there's there's other trades. I mean, Pacioretty, you know that was a that was a bigger that was a bigger move than 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 the EK, you know like it seems that in terms of um, the quality of prospect coming back the other way, like everyone seems pretty high on Suzuki as a centerman, um, young guy and like was one of considered one of Vegas's higher ranked prospects. Right, Tatar so as well. it's it's a decent return for them, but you know <laughs> we had this laugh last time we were chatting and it's. You know, the Leafs bring in Tavares, you know, a captain of the Islanders, and then our two, well, supposed rival clubs in Montreal and Ottawa are trading their captains yeah. out of the <laughs> conference. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know, man. It's just crazy how things have changed so much in three years, and it's a lot of excitement. I mean, I've never been, actually, I guess it's a good segue for us to start talking preseason um, in terms of, like, how excited I am watching a fucking preseason I game, know. man. Like, I, I haven't, you know, this preseason teams, these, like, right now they have a 23-man roster, right? Right. So this half squad, they're, they're uh, dressing, you know, which is, like, last night was Matthews and, like, you know, a couple other NHLers, essentially. That team is better than the team we used to watch in the regular season three, four years ago. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, now you're making me want to pull up that opening night roster. What is it? The opening night roster from it was the tank like, year. It was the math yeah. year, like 15, 16. I, I don't know. But I mean, we had some gems. We had a, we had a whole lot of there. PA Parento plugs. Yeah. Like that's when we all we did was sign plugs and then hope <laughs> we could trade them at the deadline. It was it was it was some grim years, but you knew it was for good cause because I put my trust in Shanny. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like I I, I know I don't want to keep I don't want to keep hitting the horse here, but like. You know, we, we, we come back to Ottawa and like there I, I had one of my Ottawa buddies tell me, you know, listen, 
you, you can't be tripping me here because we're doing the same thing that, you know, uh, Toronto did. So ha ha ha. Cause of course everything, everything revolves around Toronto with those guys. But basically what he was telling me was that th the plan is to be bad so that you can be better sooner. But the issue is, is they're going to give Jack Hughes potentially yeah. to Colorado this that year. Pick, like, man. You know, and, and I had another guy tell me, yeah, but it doesn't matter because we got uh, we got a first round pick from from the Sharks. And it's like, this OK, do you understand how this works? It could be 26th or higher. I, mean, I know, but guarantee it at 26th or higher. Yeah, it's not going to be. So you're saying they're going to cup final. Guy. It's basically a second round pick. Yeah. And when you're that late, when you're out of like the top 15, even top 20, like you're talking, you're talking, it you gets better. Pretty, be a gem. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty close. Like you can trace between this, the end of the first round, right down to almost the end of the third round. And you have no idea what you got there. No, absolutely not. I mean, you could go back in the drafts and, and, and pull up the names of, of obviously some guys uh, throughout that first round. Like I, I do every now and then like, uh, you know, cruising through, some older drafts yeah, and just kind of, you know, working my way down the page and seeing all these players and where they went and who went before who yeah. or whom, I guess, um, you know, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but there are some pretty, some pretty interesting ones, uh, some, some later first round picks and some early second round picks that could have been, you know, top five. Yeah. If you look at, you know, if you could see into the future <laughs> and you can, yeah, you can see that there. Um, I guess on, on other preseason notes, since we're talking more preseason hockey, which is basically pointless hockey, but you know what? When you're starved and you've been waiting all summer to see Johnny T were in the blue and white, it's pretty damn exciting. Johnny T. Um, but I guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, I guess Johnny T's debut. We want to get right into that because, I mean, geez. Sniped a couple Genos, got an assist, three points. Marner had three points. I mean... We know we this isn't a surprise, right? We know what the guy's good at. He was, I think, both goals. He's out muscling guys on the puck, putting in nice shots, creating space, going to the hard areas, and going to the hard areas exactly. Like he plays, he's a big body guy. He knows how to use it, and he bat, wins battles in front of the net, and that's what he demonstrated for us. And I mean, geez, there was a couple of shifts there with him and Marner where I got very excited watching yeah, me them too. pass the puck around. Me too. You know, um, my my first thought, um, it's funny because it only took it only took uh, what just over five minutes um, to, to for him to score that first goal. Of course, after we went down, yeah, the the first twenty seconds. seconds okay, good start, Jesus. boys. P poor uh, Curtis McElhaney. Yeah, Kadri with Return the worst the worst spin ever. That was like me accidentally hitting left trigger. <laughs> And spinning in front, and they <laughs> score. You know, it's just a guaranteed goal to happen. Yeah. But anyway, what I was going to say about Tavares, um, you know, it only took about over five minutes for him to score that first goal. And I thought his first shift out there, it was a bit of a weird shift. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Um, I, I can't remember if it was on the fly. I feel like it may have been on the fly, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention uh, for the faceoff. But it looked a little tentative to me kind of nervous and i was like excited to see that i felt maybe not everybody agreed but i he just was skating around strangely now granted it's the first shift but come on these guys have been skating for weeks man yeah well you gotta okay? figure he's like reveling in it or something yeah it did it did seem that way to yeah. me you know and he was just kind of like just moving about and then and then all of a sudden it was on and I think y you bring up a good point there. Like, I think that maybe is exactly what it was. Look at me. 
<laughs> like I've been on the ice against the Leafs, like while they are wearing their home blues and I'm wearing my Islander white, and I look around and I think like, oh my god, this could be, you know, this could be my building. One day this could be my building. So right? he's playing in the Lucan, so I don't think that was his building there. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry, right. <laughs> wasn't no, no, quite the right. atmosphere. No, the no, ACC. but I mean when he was playing for New York. Yeah. And he went to the ACC. So what does he get first game then? Does he get? I'm talking like I'm thinking like a minute ish standing out. Like the you got to figure the home crowd's gonna be fired up when he gets out. When he gets introed, I guess when they do like the skate on. Is he our highest number? Opener. Except for Odogonov. <laughs> yeah, but he won't be in. Probably not. Well, and even I if he was, he wouldn't like... he wouldn't be wearing that number. That's a that's a camp number. Guaranteed. You don't think he's gonna keep Odog's number? They asked him about it. Ninety two? They were saying uh he he wore it he's born in ninety two, he wore it in Russia. And so he's I guess he's planning on wearing it. No. They're not gonna retire. Okay, well then then he can't then number. he can't start opening night. Fuck him. Well, because you want him to be last. Yeah. I didn't know they did it in num- numerical order. What? Of course they do. What? Is this your first time? Well, I just, I did, I never <laughs> noticed. I never paid enough attention oh to God. that. Come on. Well, come on. Like, I didn't stay and watch the entire PA Parento to Brad Boys. Okay, good. Fucking yeah, but good point. But come on. Uh, generally speaking, that happens. Like, raise your I, hand. I if just you didn't know it was numerically. Was. I didn't know that. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. I, I always wonder. I'm like, how do they decide who's going who? Because, like, ideally, I mean, you don't want to play favorites, I guess, but I'd be, like, pumping out my, like, top line as, like, the last intros. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they. I know they do it captain a lot. They'll do captains um, last. And I'm, I'm assuming, like, let's say they surprised us all and – fucking named Austin Matthews captain. Ah, that'd be so Okay, let's just say, let's just say, they they pulled the old Hans and slapped the C on Charlie, Charlie's jersey, before (laughs) he goes out for his last shift. (laughs) You know, like, he's dying, and he puts the C on his jersey. That would have been Lou. Hans is Lou Lamorello. (laughs) Hans? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Mighty Ducks? Yeah. He's got a whole drawer full of fucking Cs. You think? Slaps one on Conway's jersey just to make him feel special. Yeah, well. Had to do something for him because he wasn't getting a lot of shifts. Anyway, listen to very. <laughs> we <laughs> never, we we never got a lot of shifts. Hey, oh, that's well. back to the Speak riding for yourself. Back to some, the ride in the pine. I got pony. some PK time. Actually, we spent time on some I PK. Think we did, yeah. On some PK together. Right. It's all about moving your fucking feet. Uh, Maybe that should be the name of the podcast. Move your fucking feet. Okay, so. <laughs> Taveras, yeah, Taveras was wicked. Marner, uh, you know, Marner was amazing. Let let me let me dive right into, into something here for you. I might be going off script right now, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway. Mm. Are you nervous at all, at all, that Marner gets a hundred points this year and wants eleven and a half million? Mm, well, okay, let's say ninety. Okay, points. so I know you know what I mean. Yeah, and I've heard a few takes on this already, so I guess I've. Not catch me off guard with this, but I think that okay. So obviously the least want to get him signed, and I would assume the case is they're gonna fight to sign him all year long, and it could be in Myers' best interest, as given that he's playing with Tavares, that he right. says, "No, I'm. I'll talk to you next summer. I'll I wait whether till I score 100 points or whatever, you know." So, I mean, I know Marner is as gifted as he is, and given. 
the combination line combination he's playing with that it's fully capable of getting you know up there in points you know i would expect him to put up 80 plus oh, my, oh i would be disappointed minimum. with the 80 oh well let's not let's not oh bud come on man <laughs> think about the power play yeah, man yeah it's true uh so it, there is it's for him to earn it right but at the same time the first thing they're going to say is like, hey, you got 100 points, fine. But uh, Nikita Kucherov is making 9.5 in Tampa Bay. We're not paying any more Nikita Kucherov. And if Matthews is making, say, 11, which seems to be the projection for Matthews at this point, unless he plays his way into somehow McDavid money. That was my next question. Is So, I mean, you, you might end up paying him more than you would pay him today. And that much is obvious if he has a, a wicked-ass year. But I, I would... I would hope they can settle in the eight range. Eight, yeah. I mean, that's, that would be that's a steal. ideal. That's ideal. Because um, I really don't see getting them for less than eight. Because right now, they keep saying in the Willie contract situation, they're like, oh, well, Nylander is probably playing the dry saddle thing, you know, trying to get that kind of money, yeah. you know, playing as the next to McDavid type deal. But I think. I don't think William can pull that off for one. And for two, I think Marner needs to also understand the big picture. And Dubas is going to try his hardest to make him understand that. Well, I mean, obviously it ties right into, uh, you know, why why the Nylander deal isn't done, why it's why it's difficult, why, why we're still talking about it. Goddamn. Um, they need to save money. For Matthews and Marner, uh, they have to. And at this point, I would firmly believe that, given the ultimatum, ultimatum, of uh, Nylander not playing or signing for what they want, signing for what Brandon Pridham, Brandon Pridham says. Well, you gotta know if he's the he's the captain. He's basically the purchaser. Yeah. So he's, you know he's got to be trying to get him as low as possible. I'm sure they want him in the in the six range. In the six eight, they're probably at six eight, and and I bet you Nylander says he won't take a dime under seven, and he's being insulted. I don't know. I'm not I'm not super worried about him holding out because I know that eventually the kid's gonna want to play. Um, I, I, I would I'm tend concerned to agree. about how much his dad is here, and I heard that it, you know Michael Nylander is very much a part of the picture there. Well, he sat out on two contracts. Yeah, so in his I, career, I think. He's gonna take his time, but at the same, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not too worried about it getting ridiculously ug- ugly. I expect him to start the season. I expect him to be in camp. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you laughing at cricket? Cricket <laughs> Islands. <laughs> he got it. Oh, he bagged himself. No, he got. Well, he's. Play- I don't even know how to fucking play cricket, <laughs> man. But he was, he was standing like right next to the batter, like. Did you ever you played you played slow pitch for Cathedral, right? Like elementary school, like a softball for elementary school, right? Remember that position where they used to put right next to the pitcher because the you pitched to your own team if you remember you you pitched your own team and then and then the the defensive team would put a would put a defensive player basically like three feet away. Is that that how cricket works? Well, that's where that guy was standing, and he got. He got hammered in the groin. Did you see the uh, the, the mascot shoot himself in the dick? That's why they're doing it. Oh, is that why they're doing top that's, ten? That's well, because it was based on the mascot shooting yes, himself in the dick. Yes, <laughs> I let's go. I laughed 
I laughed and laughed and laughed at that mascot one. It was like, dude, that that's like an industrial t-shirt gun. This is not your uncle's fucking potato gun. Yeah, what kind of PSI is that thing firing? Oh, <laughs> like seriously? It just goes flap, you know, and it's just over. Like, I mean, let, let me see if I can pull it up here. Let me I see if know. I can pull it up here. The audio is no good at that. If I was sure going to pull is. up anything, though, you know what's good quality audio? Was that Pierre Dorian interview before last game when... Uh, oh, I have that right now. When David Amber asked him what he was excited about for the uh, for the, for the the Senators. Or what, what got him excited about the team, I guess, was the question. What line is that in? Here I don't we go. Know. I'll play that right now. Ask the wrong guy. You're the audio guy. Well, I'm surprised that it doesn't work. I mean, I got the... One thing you're optimistic about in terms of the Ottawa Senators. We're a team. Man, that's a long <laughs> pause. <laughs> that is a long oh, pause, okay? Dude, like, I was, oh, I was watching the game with Lee, and we were just on the ground laughing hysterically at that. Just the pause killed me, like... In my head while I'm watching, I'm like, say something, say something. And he, he was just say uh, anything. I admit it. I don't know if he was just in a bad place. Like, I know it's clipped and it makes him look bad and everything, but it's still hilarious. Like, One more time. One thing you're optimistic about in terms of the Ottawa Senators. We're a team. <laughs> Even the inflection in his voice, right? Like, <laughs> I know. We're a team. But you know what? At this point, I do believe that that's probably the only thing that they have to be optimistic about is the fact that they are still a team because they may not be a team. Well, shortly. I don't see it. I, I think we mentioned this when we chatted about the Suns last week is that I think at the end of the day, if the NHL is willing to prop up an NHL franchise in the goddamn desert, I would think they'll, they'll, they would buy the team if Melnick really got that out of hand. But you see why Jerry gets paid so much damn money is because he got to deal with shitheads like Melnick at the at the meetings all the time. <laughs> Can you imagine listening to that guy talk? No, <laughs> we we have to all the time because oh, yeah, he, he feels like he has talking. to be on. But he gets his fucking toothless defenseman to interview him. Oh my goodness, man! Like this guy, you know what the greatest thing about the Leafs is? That, and, and I even had this problem with Burke and Jonas. These press conferences, all this talking, stop talking. Yeah. Like, I love the way Shani runs the Leafs. The GM is the spokesperson. You're from the head coach. That's it. That's all. There's not hot mics going on all over the place. The ship is airtight. There's not a bunch of leaks. And we don't hear Larry Tannenbaum going out and talking a bunch of shit like Melnick is, talking about selling the team while we're having a, trying to have a fucking outdoor game. Like, this guy. Ah, I, I know. <laughs> How about that? Like, yeah. Oh and my the video God. just, it was so awkward. I mean, that's what he has to do, right? He's, he's got to try, but a man who in the PR department that isn't some ass kissing. Yes, man. Agreed. Tell him to stop. Tell him to stop. Like, please tell him that's not good. Like somebody, somebody had to tell him it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, come on. We see, we see people out, out every day wearing ridiculous clothing and, you know, things that, of you know, I don't want to go <clears throat> offside here or anything, but you know what I mean? You're kind of like, Jesus, do you not have a fucking mirror? I don't know, man. But this guy, I don't know if he just likes to hear himself talk, <laughs> but like you're not, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. It's, it's, it's baffled me for years, but it seems to have gotten progressively worse. And 
I've mentioned this before, but ever since Brian Murray left, I feel like things went to shit because my understanding was that Brian Murray was a good buffer between ownership and the team and that he had the respect of the organization and that he, he dealt with Melnick, but he kept him at bay, so to speak. Um, one of my, one of a family friend of mine there, his uh, brother works up on the team and he's pretty high up in the executive. And basically after Murray left, he mentioned the fact that you know, with Melnick, it's a lot different than Brian. He's like, Brian was easy to work with, get along with everybody. But he says, with Melnick, he likes you or he doesn't. If he doesn't like you, then he's yeah. not going to listen to you. Yeah. So I, I get where maybe in the case of the PR department, that video was where people might be afraid to say no to the guy and that he, he surrounds himself with yes men or and not enough staff because from what I hear too, the you know internal payroll is – it's about the size of a minor league hockey team at this point. <laughs> Barely any money for fucking tape. <laughs> you know what though? <clears throat> I look at it this way. I think this is a really. Int- I think this. I feel like this is an interesting talking point. I can't wait to hear your 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 input on it. The situation with the Senators and Melnick. I feel like it. It really gives the average fan. And I don't mean like in Ottawa or the surrounding area. I mean in all of hockey. It gives the average fan a true look into the impact that ownership can have on a team. Because when the team was, I mean, to be honest with you, Lesko, you'll have to refresh my memory. I don't even know how long it's been since he owned the team, since he bought the team. I think he bought it in the... I want to say like mid 2000s. That's what I think too. Yeah. So basically right around the time where we became terrible. Yeah. Right? Now the team had like the Senators have been ran or were ran very well throughout the late 90s to what about 20 mid, years man. They've mid, been a playoff team. They've been a great yeah. team, you know. And and now and now now that we've seen the 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 ownership change and we've seen it come like full circle, I mean it's 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 fucking it's night and day, man. I think it really just goes to show what the effect that Brian Murray had on that hockey team, and that we've noticed a, like a significant decline since his devoid since his depart since his departure. But uh, it, it's it's night and day exactly what you said, and I I. I'm very surprised considering what they came from to see this happen to this team. But, I mean, and I, I meant to make this point earlier, but, like, I, I, I didn't expect this to happen this way. But for them to be in the position they're in right now, having to basically rebuild, but they can't. He loves to say rebuild, eh? <laughs> Dorian? Oh, yeah. He, they're, they're, on the preseason game, he must rebuild. have said it 40 times. It's all rebuild, but yet when the last time they talked, you know, to the fans, you know, candidly, they're telling them they're, they're not rebuilding, trying to retain Carlson and all this. But when the Leafs did it, I, I felt fine because Ashani was in charge. You know, we're bringing in Babs, Dubis, all these smart guys, you know, unconventional thinking, not just a bunch of trusted hockey men out there. And now we have I, – I, I had faith in these guys to get it done. You look at Ottawa's management, I don't – I don't see this going that well, and it hasn't gone well so far. 
where's the light at the end of the tunnel? I That's want you to find I mean. it for me right now. Because like you look Think at how pissed it. Sens fans are right now, and whether they're tanking or not, they don't seem happy. But when when we were tanking that year, I didn't even care. I mean, people were publicly cheering on the tank, but I had full <laughs> faith in what Shanahan was doing, the Shanna plan essentially. I had full faith in what was going on there. When I look at Ottawa's management situation, you know, it's it, it almost brings up Edmonton. Just because you tank and you get some high picks doesn't mean it's going to go well for you if you're not managed properly. You look at Kevin Lowe and those guys ran Edmonton to the ground for perfect years. Perfect example. And we look at Ottawa and the, their inability to pay anybody good money, their inability to surround their, their team with adequate staff. So yeah, I but it's not even an inability, though. The inability well, to pay is a choice. Money, right? That's break. a choice. They're broke. Yeah, but it, you don't need to be broke to spend your salary cap. It's a salary cap. Yeah. How long have we been talking about Ottawa? Like 15 minutes now? I think we did that yeah, last week too, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a, it's yeah. a nice um, – I don't know. I, it, it's a talking point, Lesko. I mean, it's 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 really – they're hot right now, man. Like, they're they're hot for all the wrong reasons. Oh, it's it's incredible and just uh, – yeah, I guess that's why we, we can spend this much time talking about them because they're a local team and, you know, follow them. You know, we hear a lot about them too, but – I've been listening to you know Toronto. I listen to a lot of Toronto talk radio. They're talking about the sense a lot. They because are because Melnick doesn't start creating headlines, and they're all negative. So from yeah. day one, they always have been. It goes back to what I was saying, where I feel bad for for you know true Senators fans because there's a lot of shit to go through. And whereas we had Shanahan and uh, you know good management to put our faith in and felt good about it, I don't feel like Ottawa fans have the same luxury given the management situation. I do, I definitely do not feel bad for all fans. I feel bad for some fans, and there are some fans where I am thinking right now, you deserve this. It, like yeah, fucking <laughs> fuck <'em>. karma, <laughs> karma in the in this in the call it Eugene Melnick, and the the complete demise of the team from one goal away from a Stanley Cup final. To the fucking basement and trading your first overall pick that will be a lottery pick to another team for a player who will probably not re-up with you. I mean, that is just next level, and they deserve it. Some of them. I want to be specific. Well, Eugene deserves some of them. it. No, but I'm talking about some of the fans, the ones that I get mad at, <laughs> the yeah. ones that are cheering more against Every fan Toronto. base has that, though, so I mean— you think about how insufferable we're going to be? I'm already, like, borderline insufferable when we're not even good. So you, you could imagine, I mean, you can see it already, the backlash from fans. I mean, they don't want to hear about Tavares anymore and this and that, and all we want to hear about it. I, I read every article. Oh, yeah. Well, why do you Twelve think, of them why in do a think day. they write about it all? Because it gets clicks. I click on they, You know, they, they, everyone in the media makes the joke, like, oh, yeah, we cover the Leafs too much. Mm, I wonder why. Jeez, because it generates the most traffic. No shit, right? And not only that, it brings up all the fucking haters. And they all show up and they're like, oh, look at all these Leaf articles. And then there's like 87 comments on that one comment and 100 likes, dislikes, laughs, loves, thumbs up, thumb, whatever the fuck you can Jeez, choose. Jeez, it's like, like they don't understand how engagement metrics work. Like, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Okay, listen. How about this? Uh, we're coming up on 40. Yep. Um, let's, uh, let's have a, let's have a quick break. Dart break. Sure. Um, call it a rye break or a dart break or whatever you listeners want to do. Um, we'll just, uh, 
shut her down for now. Actually, why don't you uh, why don't you carry us out for a moment while I tee up a tune? You're gonna uh, you're gonna play us out for an intermission. I'll just, yeah, I'll just play something. I mean, I might as well. I guess you just really like the fact that you've learned how to play music on the recording, and you just want to keep doing. It. Playing me off like it's a fucking Oscar speech. <laughs> <laughs> who was that that was going on? Oh, you know who it was? I think that happens every year, doesn't no, it? No, remember the NHL Awards? It was Ma- remember summer? Matthew Perry at the NHL Awards? No, I never watched that awards. Come on. Summer. What? Summer and I was sitting inside watching fucking NHL Awards. Oh, man, you got to Google the Matthew Perry. He tried to drop, like, multiple jokes. Yeah. And they were just Grand not, Funk Railroad? Not good. Hey? Just Grand Funk Railroad? No, man, it's Can't You See, Marshall Tucker, man. Oh. And I listen, thought, I tell I you right now. I always thought this was Grand Funk the whole listen, time. Listen, I tell you right now, if I'm you and I'm listening to this, I'm running right down to the station and grabbing myself a copy of this record because it is a phenomenal record. And I just saved us a lawsuit by talking about it. We'll be right back. Yeah, he didn't let that go, Lesko. No, he did not. What do you think about that? I mean, so I was like, at first, like, ah, oh, yeah, don't we knock someone out? And then I saw the clip, and it was, he was probably a little more fired up than he had to be for his first game as a Hab. And Aaron Eplad's a very respectable player in this game. And why do you have to pick on, like, the oldest young guy in the league? Like, this guy was 18, walked in the NHL. He looked like he was 35, grizzled vet. You're guy's so a monster, and Domi like s- s- cold cocks him, suckers him, knocks him right out, and he was bloody mess too when he walked off the ice. 
Man, whenever they they're gonna play each other, what four or five times this year? Yeah. Oh, but don't be right. Keep his head on a swivel because Ekblad and whomever else on the Panthers is gonna be on the hunt. You know, it was it was very Domi like that short that short right quick job. Yeah, quick glove off, and I mean, he didn't hold back, and and I feel bad because. I mean Ekblad he's got he's got concussion history, you know, not not a great thing for for Domi to do. Now, you know, to be completely honest with you, if uh, I don't know. I mean uh, it, it wasn't a sucker punch, okay? No. I mean he didn't haul right off and wind up. Well, he's looking but right I mean at him. it's it's a quick job and Ekblad's holding a stick and got both his mitts on and the linesmen are already in there like it's not it's obviously not going to be a fight at that point because it, it was pretty clear from the outset that Ekblad didn't want to engage him. And, I mean, that's that's where if they come down on him hard with the suspension, that's going to be a big factor is that it was pretty clear that Ekblad wasn't having it. Yeah, but they already suspended him. They already suspended him? Yeah, the rest of the preseason. Yeah, but that's meaningless. I know I that's mean, what I meant. You didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't see the update on that. So. Oh yeah, that's why okay. I said that before we went to our. Why well, I, I didn't say it on air, but uh, when we were on break there, um, yeah, it was a gift. It's a gift to be suspended for the remainder of the preseason. Like yeah. uh, for me, I'm like, man, thanks. Like I'll just sit at home and play video games. That's like, just that's the old school NHL right there. Still, like you suspend still being there. Yeah, you suspend a guy who is desperate to make camp. For the rest of the preseason, because of a stupid play that he did like that, that makes perfect sense to me. Because now you've just eliminated that player's chance to prove himself, and he probably won't make the roster. But a guy like Max Domi, that guy's gonna play first line minutes for Montreal. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really. make any sense from the NHL's perspective. They might as well have not suspended him at all. If you're gonna suspend the guy for the preseason, it's completely, it's meaningless. It's a meaningless suspension. It's toothless. But, I mean, what do we expect from the NHL at this point? They're so inconsistent on suspensions. I agree. So, But, I mean, with you know with the Domi situation in Montreal, it was almost uh, Carlo Coliacolo was talking about this on uh, the Lansbury show in the morning. He said it was reminiscent of David Clarkson. He's like, I, I'm a good buddy with David Clarkson. He, he talked to him after that incident in, in Buffalo there when he came off the bench, got suspended 10 games, so into right. the season, yeah. trying to protect Kessel. And he, he said, you know, he's like, why would you do that? And, and and Clarkson apparently replied, he says, well, you know, I just fired up and I protect my teammates and that's what I do. And he's just like, yeah, but in that situation, like, you had to know that was so stupid. And I think Domi's going to look back on, on doing that and be like, yeah, that's pretty dumb. And even I'm sure even Ty will tell him it was dumb because, I mean, Ty did that a few times, but that was in the 90s, right? Was, yeah, and he did not look happy. No, no, they the, showed him in the crowd, and you, you could tell by the look on his face. He's just like, ah. Oh, not pleased. Kid, you did it. <laughs> and it's not the type of player Domi is at all. I mean, it's I, know not. He, I know he wants to defend himself, and I, I know I have no doubt that he's a tough guy. But, I mean, in, in the, the way the NHL is now, he doesn't have to prove anything. You kind of look like him. No? Yeah. <laughs> you think? We're going to have to get our uh, listeners to Google a picture of Adam Lusco. You'll find one. I mean, the guy's running for council here. So. Yeah, somehow there's pictures of me on the internet now. Come on, dude. Plug yourself. This is your chance. Plug yourself on our inaugural uh, on our, our, our inaugural. Got a lot of good here. guys, local listeners right? here. Yeah. Voters, potential voters. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I I, I thought it was... Um, I guess we'll, we'll talk the acquisition of Domi. Uh, in this case, I mean, it's... 
they gave up on Galchenyuk full on, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's funny because they all they talk about is needing centerman though, and then the one kind of centerman they got like, no, nah, we're gonna get Domi to play center now. And then the, we saw this this plan. The last one was Drew and we're gonna bring in this winger. We think he can play center. It turns out he's gonna be playing on Domi's wing now because Domi's gonna be a center for right. him. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Like they're trading centers, not getting centers in return. That whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. Two hundred and twenty-two games with Arizona. Since his debut in 2015-2016 season, 36 goals, 135 points. Pretty decent. 12th overall, Domi, drafted in 2013. So, not bad. I mean, last year, 9 goals, 36 assists. I actually had him in my pool in the early last year, and I, I think I put him on waivers because of the, the lack of output. I mean, Arizona was just garbage for one. But for two, he wasn't putting up nearly as many points. Like not like uh, even uh, Keller, those guys on right on uh, Arizona that were leading the way for them last year. So I, you know, it's Domi's got a little bit to prove for sure, and I'm sure he's excited the opportunity to play a big role in a big market. Like he seems like the kind of guy who Would will thrive. thrive. Yeah, yeah like agree. same with Ty in, in Toronto. You know, fan favorite that kind of thing. So I can really see him taking to Montreal and, and you know, he, he, he's a fan favorite type player. Like I love the way he plays the game. He's, he's a great grinder. He's not afraid to muck around. And obviously as we've seen, get physical if, uh, well, if need be or if it's uncalled for in that particular situation. So it's an interesting deal for Montreal, but it also looks good on Arizona. Like you see where Galchenyuk plugs in pretty much as their one or two center. And, you know, there's a lot of good young players that China could play with, and he seems like a guy who needed a fresh start too. So who's <clears throat> excuse me, who's going to have the better season for you, Montreal or Arizona? Uh, I, I give the ed- edge to Montreal just because of Carey Price. Carey Price has the ability, being the best goaltender in the world, to actually allow them to be a potential, I would say, bubble playoff team. Make a difference, though. If, and that's given he's back to form because he had a b- off year last year. So if he comes back to form this year, then I see them as a bubble playoff team. But it's it's heavily dependent on him. And the fact that they're missing Weber for what sounds to be half the season, their their D does not look great without him. And they traded Sergachev. Yeah, well, that's long gone now. Oh, and then without man. patches, I mean, they've assembled oh, a younger core. Like, they've, they've gotten a lot younger. And I think they're retooling on the fly sort of thing because unlike Ottawa, they won't use the rebuild term, right? Oh my God! Ottawa uses it enough for both of them. Yeah, I couldn't get over how many times Dorian used the word rebuild. Like I feel like it's a, uh, you know, you you hear of those like gimmicks or whatever. If you say something enough times, you know, people will just start to agree with you or whatever. Yeah, I feel like it's some sort of uh, psychological warfare between the general manager and and his and his fan base. I don't see Arizona being as bad this year. Um, I think it seems that anti Ranta. Uh, worked out for them eventually turned a bit of a corner as the season went on they went on that hot streak in the last I think what couple of months or month of the season so they you know they have a really young core and it's just going to take time for them to grow together but I see them making progress for sure I mean it it seems like an only a matter of time type thing it's almost like the same tune we've been singing about Carolina for the last couple of years. Yeah, good Lot, good comparison. Lots of young young good players, young core, up and comers. 
just it just doesn't seem to click year after year. I mean, Carolina's problem as well goes back to goaltending, and it shows you the importance of goaltending in the NHL, where you can live and die by a goaltender. Like if we want to come back to the Leafs, let's talk about Frederick Anderson. If Frederick Anderson does not play, say he plays thirty games this year, let me ask. Sorry, we could be in trouble. Let me. Let me. I was just gonna say, what if he plays October Freddie all year? We don't even make the playoffs. Well, that's that's a strong possibility given right? the so defense just, in front of him. Yeah, it just it just furthers your point, you know. I mean, you know, b- back to Arizona. I mean, like look at them, last in the West, minus forty eight in goals against, like or sorry, in goal differential. What do we got? Twenty nine wins, forty one losses, twelve overtime losses, good for seventy points. Two hundred and eight goals for two fifty six against. Like those numbers are. That's a pretty bad stats pack. Yeah, I don't get much worse. And I love, I love a player like Keller, man. Like he's a good fantasy option for me. I had him in my pool. He's a dual eligibility. He might even be all three. Well, he led them in scoring last year. Did he not? Or did OEL lead them? Uh, Um, I don't know. I'd have to click on the actual season here. But uh, speaking of OEL, named team captain. Yeah. Right. So um, there's a storyline for you. Uh, moving into the season for for Arizona, I I to be honest with you, I don't know why, um, but a, a part of me would like to see that team just be better. Um, you know, Clayton Keller led in points with sixty five, uh, OEL was down there at <coughs> uh, forty two. Yeah, man, OEL was minus twenty eight. So they had a bad year offensively That's altogether, like probably even worse than previous years. So. No, I see them having at least a 10-point improvement. I'd like to give them that, yeah, I think. I would agree with that, for sure. All right, moving on. You want to do some Leafs? Yeah, we'll do a little bit more Leafs here. All right, let's do some Leafs. So I guess we're going to talk uh, – we want to talk ca- camp battles, we were saying. Yeah, I, I'm. you know, I'm really liking uh, – well, I mean, what do you think about Ennis? Like, let's just – Let's just assume that Nylander comes back. Let's just avoid the whole Nylander thing for a while. Like, sure. Let's just assume Nylander comes back. What do you think happens with that, with Ennis? I, you know, I, he has the offensive upside. Um, I, it was pretty obvious in his uh, performance last night. And then also, given you look at his stats, he scored scored twenty goals, I think, a couple times in his in his career. But he played on like I looked at his hockey DB and he, what four or five years with Buffalo on a god awful Buffalo team, the bottom out buffalo sabers for years yet he so, was still some sort of leaf killer i he was just <laughs> he, i was always impressed with him and i didn't realize he was old as he was why well, is he 28 now and so it seems like he's a bit of a, a redemption product project and like i i'm surprised at how cheap he got him he's making like six something is he not like almost yeah, league minimum yeah yeah it might yeah. even be league minimum so you think about the offensive upside he can offer that's a lot of cheap points and you know that i i would say I'm confident in saying that he could play up the lineup, play up the lineup, and I think that's what they're testing out. Because obviously, you know, we've been fortunate really the last couple of years, but you're gonna run into injury trouble. So I see him playing Kadri's line or fourth line, depending on whether or not Janssen can bump him. And I really would like to see Janssen get more ice time because I care more about him than than fucking Tyler Ennis at the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> yeah, but, of course. But I like I like the gamble by Dubis. It's a smart play. It's a cheap option. And that's the kind of that's it adds depth to the team overall. Even if he doesn't end up starting in the uh, you know top four lines, he could end up being a spare if, if they decide to go with Levo. But he seems like a good option to have. Like, yeah, I mean, I think you brought up a good point about him being uh, you know an up and down the lineup kind of player. Um, 
you know, he's a serviceable guy. And of course, I, you can't speak enough to the value of his contract. And I think about another uh, contract that's valuable is uh, Connor Brown. I know a lot of people have been talking about Connor Brown maybe being on the trading block as far as Brown Nielsen in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like as far as being able to to maybe move this guy uh, for some defensive help. Listen, I mean, this guy is a local. Uh, local boy born in Toronto, drafted in the sixth round, 156th yeah. overall. Yeah, he went to Michael Power. And yeah, grew up in Etobicoke, same neighborhood yeah. as my my dad did, in same high school. 24 years old, Lesko. I mean, this guy. I understand he is a uh, great cap hit. It's a great value deal for you. It's not a value deal if you're talking fantasy or anything like that. But we're talking about building a championship team. You yeah, have a guy like you Connor need Brown, guys right? like that at, a, at an affordable price. And I, I've been a Connor Brown fan just with him being a smaller guy, underdog, you know, the way he came up and has always defied the odds. And Mike Babcock loves him. Like, he, he, he could talk to you, I feel like, about Brown and Hyman all day long about how those guys do everything right and work hard. And you need guys like Connor, Connor Brown who can play up and down your lineup and he can give you a few points. He can PK. And he's never going to cheat you for effort. What was I? I was just going to ask you. When was the last time you said to yourself, "Geez, Connor Brown had a terrible night tonight"? I, I can't recall saying Ever? it. I remember hearing a little bit in in this. Um, I I don't know if it was an analytics kind of article I was reading, but saying how his play had tapered off. But I, you know, for a good portion of the season last year, I believe he was playing on the fourth line, which, you know. You look at the fourth line the way it's penciled in this year compared to last year. It's significantly more skilled, more fast. So I think even if he ends up in a fourth line situation at points during the year, it shouldn't hurt his overall impact and numbers. Well, you know, they might not get a lot of ice time if he's on the fourth, but again, he's also a utility guy. He's going to get PK minutes. Babs is going to find situations. And when. You know, when they're not playing the way he wants them to play, Babs is, doesn't care about throwing Brown out there with Matthews or with right. Tavares. Remember, because, right. you know, somebody's not pulling their weight, Nylander or whomever. Well, Brown is a great option to do something like that too, Lesko. And I, it, perfect segue, because I was going to touch on the fact that this guy has played in all roles. So he rode shotgun with Connor McDavid uh, when McDavid absolutely went gangbusters on the OHL. Connor Brown riding shotgun. So Connor Brown gets drafted by Toronto. He plays in the minor system for a while. I think he was in the A, played junior for a couple more years. And then all of a sudden, he's riding shotgun with Austin Matthews in his rookie year. And everyone's upset about Matthews playing in between two dodo birds and Zach Hyman <laughs> and Connor Brown. No. And I love me some Zach Hyman. I think he's a phenomenal oh, player. I think he helps produce. But Connor Brown has gone through some moments of you know being – being called upon. So, okay, I understand that my job is just to get it to this guy, but, you know, y you can't just ask anybody to, to do that. And, yeah. uh, and he's done it on several occasions. He's very noticeable, I say, on a game-to-game -game basis just because he does all the little things right. You know, he's, he's, he makes himself hard to play, play against for a small guy. You know, pucks in deep. And he's got a little, he's got a good stick on him, right? Like, we've seen him score some goals. scored 20 in his rookie year, which is outstanding. The quietest 20 goals probably in Leafs rookie history because that was the year that you know all the the kids came up and right. lit it up right 
So, what do you want to talk about? Some uh, some bubble guys. Yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about? You want? I guess a lot of the talk is on the back end right yeah, now because we have so end. many guys in camp. I'm looking at. I I, I I should have the list in front of me because I I was looking at it yesterday and it's. Well, let me read. Let me go down the line and, sure. and read you some D. So we got. Sure. Well, obviously we got uh, Timmy uh, Timothy Lusergren. Well, let's talk. Who's gonna make the team? Because I, well, okay, I, I so, assume so Lusergren's going back down. Yeah, it won't be Timmy. Um, well, this is a this is a a, a ranking, and I'll I'll throw a shout out to uh, Thomas Humphreys, uh, one of the uh, best contributors in the Shanna Clan. The Shanny. The Shanna Clan, uh, which is a secret group on Facebook. Any listeners out there who think that it's they're not actually, a secret if you tell everybody about hey, it? This podcast is also a secret. Right <laughs> yeah, it technically is. It technically <laughs> is. So, um, for any of you listeners out there that uh, think you're actually smart Leaf fans, why don't you uh, tweet us? Actually, you know what? Let's go. Why don't we take this opportunity to uh, throw our Twitter handles out there? At Adam Lesko on twitter.com. Mine is at Coleman42, uh, and you all know what the website is. Lesko so with a C, L-E-S-C-O. Yeah, good spelling. Um, okay, so anyway, yeah, a, throw, a shout out to Thomas Humphreys in the Shanna clan. Um, he he did a nice uh, draft up here of our top prospects, and uh, he's got Timothy Lilligren uh, matched up at number one, Carl Grundstrom at number two, um, Rasmus Sandin. Um, I thought he's looked pretty good. Uh, Swedish defenseman, and uh, you know it's looking like maybe a uh, I don't know what do you think? Let's go a solid maybe three four option down the road with uh, the likes of Riley. Um, you know maybe Jake Gardner maybe not. Uh, I personally hope not because I believe he gets filled by Dermot. So we have Riley, we have Dermot, uh, and we have Lilligren and Sandin. You know that's a pretty solid top four if you're talking. You know two three four even five years from now. Are those really similar, or sorry, interesting that Babs had uh, Lilligren and Sandin. I'm calling him Sandin, actually. Sandin. Because if you're going to play for the Leafs, then we're, we're calling you we're calling you Sandin. I'm sorry, but that's just how it's happening. Um, I thought it was interesting you had those two guys together last night, and it, I, I was actually impressed with Sandin and some of the plays he made. Couple, I thought a nice pinch he made. Moved the puck really well. He had his head up. Um, really interesting prospect, and it's it, it's even more interesting the way that Dubas acquired him. Whereas he traded down, got this guy, Swedish defenseman, and then ended up getting a, what a third round pick out of it as well, which yeah. I thought was a fantastic move. Um, I guess we can talk as well about really who is who's on the bubble, who's who's trying to on the outside looking in right now. I, I assume. Sandine, Sandine is going to go to back to the sewer, go to the A, and Lily Grin's going back to the A. So we've got essentially, you know, the top four at least are set in stone. I'm going to set Dermot in stone despite whatever Babs is saying right now. Oh, he's in. He's in, man. So we've got that extra D spot, and then, it, you know, to me it sounds like if you want to keep your D rested, especially with old man Hainsey up there, you <laughs> want to keep an extra two guys. So we're, we're looking at, like, potentially three of the bubble guys sticking around, one of them making that sixth spot, but it could get rotated heavily. And it could be any one of Borgman. It could be, uh, you know, Ro Rosen. I've almost discounted going into the camp, but last night he was phenomenal. And and have a look at these chicken scratches I just wrote down. Andreas Borgman, Callie Rosen, undrafted free agents in 2017. Yes. How about that, Kyle? Nothing Davis? like free players. Free players. Now, I mean, our, our anti-Leaf uh, listeners, and I'm sure there's going to be a few of them out there. We live in Pembroke, so 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pushing the, this podcast to to everybody, blue, red, yellow, whatever your color is. Um, they're gonna be laughing at the fact that we're talking about oh Callie Rose and Andres Borgman. Well, you know what, Borgman scored a beauty in that season in that preseason opener there. I mean, he took control of the ice. He skated right up to the gut and just knocked one home. Passed an NHL goaltender, by the way. That was Craig Anderson. I was really impressed with his uh, with his speed and his ability to skate and carry the puck when he played in those games last year. Uh, apparently, he fell off a little bit when they got sent back down to the A and fell out of favor a little bit with Sheldon. But, you know, I, th- I think he's a guy that he's got, has a lot to build on, and I think if they continue to develop him, he's going to have a lineup spot down the road. Um, so we got o- Ozhiganov, as I believe how it's pronounced, um, but we're calling him Odoganov, I guess, in honor of Odog O'Neill. Yeah, it makes sense. Odoganov. <laughs> he, he was calling him on uh, Odoganov on Overdrive yesterday. I thought that was hilarious. I like that. But uh, like, oh, it seems that uh, Bob's is impressed with him. I mean, I didn't get a good enough look. I liked what I saw in in small samples. But there was nothing like wowing me. But I also don't expect that. That's for a, a good third thing too, D. right? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, thing too. yeah. If you don't notice them, they did all right. Hole, I didn't get to see. Or sorry, Hall, I didn't get to see enough of him in the in the exhibition game he played. I think he's battling for a spot too. So it's really a toss up because they're both righties, and him and Ozaganov could end up both just on the roster and you know splitting some time there. But I also see them keeping another lefty like Borgman. Possibly Rosen. I'm not sure which one of those two have the inside track right now. Uh, guys, Am I uh, missing someone? Well, guys on the outside, I, I'm 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 looking at um, uh, Carrick. Yeah, I forgot about Carrick. Poor guy. And Poor I guy. think you know what he's it, the Josh Levo of the blue line. It seems that way, and like I I've always liked Carrick because he can move the puck well, but he does some real dumb stuff. Like last year, he made yeah. a couple brutal pizzas up the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like what I've seen from him. I like the way he plays the game, I guess. You know, he, he's got a bit of an edge to him. He he mucks around a little bit. He battles in front of that. He's not that big of a guy, but I like that he, he, he makes himself tough to play against. So, uh, another one, <clears throat> Martin Marinson. <laughs> play with that one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, I, Marinson's a funny case, and, you know, I wasn't a fan for of him to begin with, but I all I heard about last year is how good of a year he had with the Marlies. PK uses stick well, prevents zone entries, all that fun stuff. But I mean, the guy we know Babs doesn't like him already, and the guy handles the puck like it's a fucking grenade. Like he he gets so fired up, and he just he's an off the glass, chip it up the middle, or just swing his stick at it type guy. And I think. With the way that the team is, the direction the team's heading in terms of controlled zone exits, having the puck on the tape, wheeling up the ice, he doesn't really fit that mold. I mean, I see him as a depth option. Um, I don't see them keeping him on the roster because I, I think they see him as a decent part of the Marlies and has some value more to them than he does sitting in the press box for the Leafs. So, I, I, yeah, I don't see them keeping him out of the camp, to be honest. He would have to... He would have to really show something, and you know, I didn't see it in the game last night. That's for sure. Okay, so, uh, so we got Carrick is out. Carrick is out. He's Marin- out the lineup, but he's on the roster because uh, yeah. he's on a one way. He's the Josh Levo. Yeah, he's the Levo. Um, Zaitsev, looking for a. I'm looking for a bounce back here. I think everybody is. I think that's the honestly. I think that's the soup du jour. 
yeah. the the Zaitsev conversation on the blue line. Yeah. Much the it's way that contract. Yeah, much the way the soup du jour of the offense is. Ooh, goody! What can we do? Like you know, it's all excitement, um, and there's a lot of concern on the back end. I think yeah. I'm a little bit more, and I know that I know the GM is gonna have to say the right things. Uh, you know, Dubas has to say that you know he's he's more bullish on the D than many of the fans and, and analysts out in the world, couch GMs uh, abound. I am with him on that. Zaitsev was very subpar. He was less than stellar last year. I expect him to have a really strong season, and I don't know if he's going to play alongside Jake Gardner. Didn't they spend most of their season last they year? They did, and so, the previous season as well, and, and, and where they were pretty successful in, yeah, in Zaitsev's rookie year. Yeah, two years ago. So my thing here is I I think, as you know, I'm not the biggest uh, Jake Gardner fan um, in terms of, you know, basically I want to cut to the chase here. So I'll just keep it, keep it short. I'm not going to go on a tangent about Jake Gardner. But basically his, his ability to make the wrong decision quicker than it took. You know, like he could have taken an extra second and made a much safer play. He'll often just do the play that he wants to without maybe thinking about the circumstances uh, of, of it not going well. And then it doesn't go well. And, you know, a lot of times he gets bailed out by Anderson because our goal is amazing. Yeah. And then no one's really talking about that the next day. But then someone like Zaitsev has a, a flubbed pass go right in the net. And now he's, he's, the, he's the goat on that one. I think it was more a combination of what his the entirety of last season had for him. I mean, he had some injury trouble. He didn't look good. Whereas you look at Jake Gardner's numbers, you want to look at the analytics for him. Like his possession is great. His zone exits he controlled. Skates the puck, but he does weird Jake Gardner things, right? On sites of on the other hand, in his rookie year at least, I found he skated the puck well. He had his head up. He moved the puck well. If we see that, that's all he really needs to do. Like we. We have defenders who can skate, you know, the puck in the zone, shoot. I mean, he's just got to play solid D and get some pucks through to the net, and we're going to be happy with him. I, I do see him having a bounce back year because I think, you know, given his performance in his rookie year, I think that's a better indication of the player he is than last season, given the in injury trouble as well. So I, I definitely expect to see him perform a lot better and if we, if we see a better performance from him, then I would like to actually see him move up with Riley because Hainsey cannot be playing all these fucking minutes. If he's gonna be killing, <laughs> if he's gonna be killing every penalty of every damn game, he can't play top pairing with Riley. He just can't keep up. So if Zaitsev has a better year, I see him moving up and w giving us a more solid first pair, and then we see someone else slide into that second pair spot, whether it's Carrick or. Ozaganov or whomever step in with Gardner because Gardner I feel like is easy to play with minus the Jake Gardner things the the, the whack giveaways Jake Gardner and you heard it here first is going to be in the top four in defensemen in, in points, points. Yeah. yeah I think all that PP time with the I mean, yeah, sure. I, I, I don't need to. I don't want to dive into why I think so. I mean, I think that speaks for itself. The Leafs uh, are going to be extremely potent up front. Well, I mean, Riley put up over fifty points each last year. So uh, my main reason for saying this, Lesko, is 
one reason only, and it's the fact that it's a contract year. And I think he's I think he's going to John Carlson himself into a huge deal. And I, for one, really wish him all the best, and I want it to happen because if I'm calling a spade a spade here, and, and, and people are going to make fun of me for, for saying this and be a stupid delusional Leaf fan, but this is, this is the actual year. This is this is the best chance that we have, and if we don't, it'll be it'll be offset by the experience and the development of our other players. So that assuming will offset. I'm just saying we have the best chance now because we have money to spend. We actually have money to pick up a rental. I guess yeah, if like somebody who's on an expiring deal or something, but. I guess if you're saying it's our number one chance, that's assuming that we don't have Gardner next year just because we can't afford him. Correct. Yeah. And I, I can saying, see that because yeah. Gardner can command, I would say, at least $6 million a year. Oh, it'll be more than that. And it could be because you know how stupid GMs get on free agency. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm, I'm looking up the uh, I'm looking up the John Carlson contract as we speak here. What did he end up getting? 7.5, 8, something like that? <laughs> 8. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Let's go. And okay. So, so you'd so, be shooting for that, basically. So, so Carlson got eight million off a uh, off a season where I believe he got what did he get? Sixty five. He points? had a really good year last year. Sixty five points maybe. But he but he careered it. Yeah. Okay. So I got his points in front of me. So in 2015, well, he only paid. Okay. So let's go back to the fir- the last full season. Uh, 2013, 2014. In 82 games, he got 37 points. The next season, he played 82 games. He got 55 points. The next season, he was injured. He played 56 games. He got 39 points, though. So he was oh. very effective w- before he got injured. Now, last or two years ago, 16-17, John Carlson, 72 games played, 37 points. 10 games missed, but a pretty low number of points there. Last year, 82 games, 68 points. Very impressive. Now, they won the Cup. And he's getting fat off the power play, sending it over to Ovechkin. Yeah. Did well in the playoffs, 20 points. Very okay. impressive. Very impressive. But $8 million impressive? Is he going to do it again, do you think? Or is he going to drop down to what he has been? And if, if you go back to his third and fourth year in the NHL, two full seasons played, 82 games, 37 and 32. And Ovechkin was there the whole time. Ovechkin was gangbusters back in 2011. He's in his prime right now, so you know at this point he's fully capable of replicating that success, but for how long, who knows? You might get a few more seasons of him putting up ridiculous points or very impressive points. I just think Jake Gardner is going to follow his footsteps a little bit and absolutely career it this year. I can see it happening. 72 points, finish third among D-men, and get paid. The table's set for him, man. The table is set. By Minnesota, his hometown. Well, that or you just look at the situation in terms of um, how he could score that many points. With you know, we expect the Leafs to be very high in the offensive category this year, and probably up up at the top of the league in terms of goals for. So that just you know bolsters the ability of the defenseman to rack up some serious points. We saw that reflected in his total from last year. Yeah, you know, and I just I always come back to it. I even have it down here. <clears throat> Excuse me. I even have it down here um, on my paper. Dermot dash new gardener. 
Because I honestly believe that he he's is... He's just a younger, faster gardener. But he's a younger, smarter gardener. He's probably smarter than Gardner. Smarter. I feel like Gardner's kind of... Like, I don't know Gardner. I don't know anything about him other than, you know, what he does on the ice. But he reminds me of Dion and that he seems like a deer in the headlights sometimes. Like, a brick. Yeah, he seems like kind of a brick. Like Total I, brick. I, like, I feel bad saying that because I'm... You know, I'm actually a fan of Jake Gardner. I always have been. Oh, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I thought he got. I thought he got shafted. <laughs> well, when you go minus five in Game Seven, you you're gonna. Get well, some you're gonna get heat, but if you're gonna heat. base your opinion of, of him on one mm. fucking game, mm-hmm. you can't do no that. Way. But I, I always thought he got the shaft in the Carlisle years, and he was our best defenseman back then, and he nearly is now today. So. You know, I hope he has a good year, and I hope they find a way to, you know, print him and those boys find a way to get him at a reasonable cap hit. And if not, I don't know. That that might be it. Well, speaking of that's it. That's it. What do you think? I think we're overtime. Yeah, we're a buck seventeen. Yeah, we're overtime. That's pretty good. Wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. Play me off like the Oscars. Am I gonna play you off? <laughs> All right, I'll play you off. But, you know, that's been a uh, good opener. I think it's not too bad. No shortage of talking, that's for sure. Not with me and you, but No, I don't think so. Riding the Pine. Season 1. Episode 1. Thanks for listening.